Today I'm delighted to be at Sarah's Backman studio to talk about her exhibition, Drawing with Colour. Sarah is a well-known contemporary still life painter. I'm a regular visitor to her studio in Oxford and we have had many great conversations about her work here. The studio is in an old punt building workshop with big windows lined with ceramics that lets light flood in and looks out onto a park. I'm really looking forward to recording one of our conversations. It's bound to be broad in its scope as we talk about Sarah's life as an artist, her painting, objects, gardening, art and life in general. For Sarah, as you will discover, it's very much intertwined. To start off with a bit of background, my gallery has a long history of working with Sarah Spackman starting in 2005 when we were introduced by artist Alison Austin. This exhibition will be Sarah's fifth solo show with us and her work has been featured in many group exhibitions as well. Over this time, Sarah has become recognised as one of the country's leading contemporary still life painters. Her work for me has always been breathtaking, elevating the everyday object with her incredible approach to composition, rigorous observation, and as we will explore further in this conversation about the exhibition, her philosophy on colour. Sarah, thank you for being on the podcast. For those listeners who are not familiar with your biography, shall we talk briefly about your art studies <laughs> and when you fell in love with painting? Okay. Yeah, it's very nice to have you here again. Thank you for coming. Um, so I suppose if we go from the middle bit, I started properly training to paint um, at Byam Shaw School of Art in London when it was still in Camden Hill Road, which mm -hmm. is was great. It was tiny, looked like a you know, just a very small um, terraced building and a street of houses. Um, that was great. We had a really good approach, really good teaching there. Um, and then I went from there to Camberwell did my degree at Campwell, mm -hmm. which was just brilliant. I so loved it. So it's sure a bit like um, a foundation. Yeah. yeah. So it's like found and they did a really good one. So you learnt how to do, you know, drawing from life, how to mix paint, how to prime canvases, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah. It was really yeah. good. And a bit of sculpture thrown in. So um it was great. Really good. Yeah. Very thorough. Grounding. I think it particularly for me, because I knew I wanted to paint. I didn't wasn't I didn't want to do sculpture or printmaking particularly then. I was interested in it, but not. It was. I always wanted to draw and paint, so yeah, yeah, that was great. It really suited your mm. ambitions. Yeah, was that when your fascination with still life began? Um, no, I've always painted. Um, I've always liked painting and drawing, and as a small child, I drew and painted quite a lot. My mum was quite interested in it. Yeah, we had a shed in the garden, which I turned into a mini studio for a day, which was great. And then um, a friend of the family gave me some oil paints. I think I was, uh, not sure, 12-ish. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, they were my first oil paints. And that wow. was just like, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's really different. Um, and I did... Um, did you immediately love them? Yes. I Well, yes, I did, actually. Because watercolour was fine, but I felt a bit limited by the actual depth of colour I could get. Probably yeah. Because the watercolours weren't very good. But um, the oil paint was great. And, um, yeah, so I sort of started doing that at home. But at school, we just did whatever you had at school. Or yeah. It's like gouache and parliaments. But I did do, um, I did like still life then. I did a still life for my A-level. Yeah. So obviously something I like about groups of objects. I've yeah. always done that. I think they've got rather less complicated as we've gone on. They used to be full of everything. Yeah. You know, it's like, do you remember, yeah. there's like yeah. overly... So let's put a bit in there, put a bit in there. Suzanne was a big influence, you know. Yeah. Let's drape a bit of uh, material here and make it flow through that way and we'll have lots of things here and there and everywhere. And um, it's got more and more simple as I've gone on, really. Or 
focused on mm. something. I remember the Moroccan watercolors. Oh yeah, yeah, they were like really rich yeah. and really dense, mm. but they were also a reflection of that trip you yes exactly. made to R- Morocco. I think that's what happens, isn't it? Some you go somewhere and you see things, and it does change your yeah perception. Yeah, it alters your color sense as well, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes. So, what is it about the painting of objects you find so sustaining? That's a very good question. I like the peace and quiet in the studio. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good at painting outside with lots of people around. I have done it. Yeah. Um, but I really like the sort of just quietness of it and the time you get to explore something. Mm-hmm. If it's just you and you've got an object, you can really spend time looking at it and working out what you want to do. You can set it up. You have some control over setting things up when you have a still life. Yeah. So most of my paintings in this exhibition have... Um, like a sort of horizon line, yeah. Um, which I sort of do without thinking. I think, in a way, it sort of just happens. But it does matter where it goes in the in the picture plane. It matters how high or low it is, um, and the contrast between that and the so the plane behind the object and the plane the object is sitting on is very important for mm-hmm. me yeah. at, the, at the moment. Things may change, but at the moment that's very important. So it is the division of the pictorial space. Which you can do if you're in a, setting up a still life. There's yeah. No, you, know, you can set. You can spend. I spent hours setting them up. Yeah, you're, complete, you're in complete control. Yeah. Of and the lighting and everything. That's yeah. down to you. So because the lighting is important as well as the object. Yeah. Do you mostly paint in natural light? Yeah. If I can. Yeah. Winter's a bit tricky. Yeah. Days are too short. <laughs> but apart from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I try and do. And this has got. This studio's got great, mm. nice big windows. So. Yeah, because I noticed like. The light's coming in from the left. Yes. And, where and that's the morning set up over the other the side of the room. Ah, okay. Morning and afternoon. Yeah. So that's why there's two easels. Yeah. So, But like when I was in my studio before, there weren't any windows, but there was brilliant top light. Yeah, that was a strange yeah. studio, wasn't but it? But beautiful light. Yeah. And it was, um, I did lots of things in boxes because then you got shadows from the top of the yeah. box over the object. And that was, became fascinating there. But it doesn't, it doesn't do it here for me. Yeah. Because it's just side light and I prefer to have it open. So your your working environment's really important mm. to you? Yes. I like a very high ceiling like this. Amazingly enough, even though I do very small paintings, <laughs> I think it's called headspace. <laughs> it sort of gives me room to think. Yeah. All my thoughts have gone up there and sort yeah. of hopefully come back down again. Yeah, they sort of float away. Yeah. and then It's just nice just... to have the space around you. Yeah. Even if you're working on something quite small. I mean, mm. lots of the paintings are very small. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. people would be surprised. Lucky being... you for hanging them, is all I can say. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking for <laughs> It's lots of measuring. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, but, you know, but I like that sort of focusing in on something. Yeah. Um, occasionally, I like to expand it out, and you have this, uh, just a single object, but in a bigger space. Yeah. And that's nice, too. It's just a different way of looking at something and thinking mm. about it. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about the description? And this is something as I was preparing the podcast. And as I, as I mentioned, knowing you so well, I actually found preparing it harder than I found preparing other ones. <laughs> but, and we've never talked about this. But the, the phrase still life, how do you like feel about it? Because it kind of conjures up a, the past, really. And it's kind of quite mm. historical. And, and, and it, yet- was always seen, it was always seen as the sort of the poor man of the genres, wasn't it? it was, you know, portraiture, yeah. landscape, still life. Yeah. But um, I think still life's really important. And I think it's um, because it makes you stop. 
It's like a meditation. I think it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I don't mind still life. I mean, I don't know what else to call it, really. Single object painting, but they aren't all single objects, so... Yeah, no, I know. I kind of searched around for a different mm. phrase. No, and... I think just, well, just stay with still life. That's fine. <laughs> stay with it. <laughs> it's fine. It is what it is, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And do you think that kind of the fact that almost like when you are painting, you're kind of going into sort of almost a meditation when you're concentrating on the object, on the colour, on the form, yeah. composition... And do you think that meditative quality sort of comes across in your work? And is that kind of part of its appeal to others, that sense of calmness? I hope so. It's very important to me. Um, I have had people saying they find, they actually they find the way the painting is divided up very calming. Yeah. Um, which is totally instinctive. I don't measure anything. It's nothing mathematical. It's just how I feel that thing sits where it is. Yeah. Yeah, but it is. It does take a long. You know, I can spend all morning moving one pair, quarter of a centimetre left and right, mm-hmm. or forwards and backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, till it feels right. Yeah. Do you do any preparatory sketching before you paint? Not much. I do when I first come in the studio in the morning. I do some drawing just to wake my head and hand up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the rest of it, no, I draw it on the cam- on the board yeah. or the canvas. Yeah. Cause... Because the colour is what draws it. Yeah. Rather than. You know, I don't want to draw it out. I don't draw it out and then fill it in. Yeah, okay? yeah, because that's colouring in. Because that's really bad. That's colouring <laughs> in. We don't do that. No, uh, we. But no, I think the, the the main thing is that you're building the form with the colour. Mm. So if you draw, you're exploring with the colour. So if you draw a line straight away, you're saying something that you don't even know is there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I tend to put a bit of colour down to say something, and another bit of colour next to it, and then I work out where things join up yeah so you're looking for that sort of resonance mm. so the edge, the lines are drawn by the bits of color, color one piece of color hitting another yeah which creates a line yeah and you get that sort of central point mm. where the colors sort of almost sort of vibrate against yeah. each other hopefully ideally ideally that's the end <laughs> that's the plan <laughs> you know how do you select what you paint i mean the studio is filled with like great ceramics and fruit and flowers and all kinds of things just looking around we have an allotment, which is very good, very good source of quite a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, including the puny turnip that's in the exhibition. The My little baby t- turnip. Um, it's obviously not <laughs> a year for grow turnips. better than others, okay? <laughs> um, and the garden and my yeah. mum's garden are very good sources of plants. So basically, they tend to be organic objects. Yeah. With the odd ceramics thrown in, which ceramics are made by friends or found in... Yeah, just when you're looking around, junk mm. shops or car boot sales or whatever. Yeah. And the fruit and veg are, yes, they're just part of life, really. Yeah. We quite often eat them when I finish with them if they haven't sat here for too long. I was going to say, I mean, you have to paint them fast. Yeah, well, sometimes. To be ready for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> or I have to say, sometimes, you know, if Claire brings some nice vegetables home yeah. and I see them in the kitchen, I do take them to the studio before she has a chance to cook them. Yeah. So it's it's sort of um, lucky. mm you know, and it is, but it's just part of living. It's just looking. Like if I walk here, I did a painting of um, some towpath flowers. Oh, which you yeah. had, didn't you? Yeah. And that was just walking to work along the towpath. Yeah. So you're just selecting yeah. things as you go. And um, my mind has gone as to where I was going to go next with That's that question. That's all right. You can wait for it to come back. I can wait for it to come back. 
it may or may so not. You just said that. I was my next sort of question was like, what does a typical day kind of look for, like for you in the studio? So obviously, it starts by coming to the studio yes. and you walk along the river every so day. Luckily, we're only about um, about what do you say, two miles, mile and a half, yeah. two miles from the studio. So I either walk or cycle. Yeah. If you walk, it's quite nice. It gives you time. Yeah. To sort of clear your head and think a bit. And so I get here, I sort of just get up and come here, really, without thinking too much about anything else. I might go to the allotment and water, I might, but, you know, basically I tend to just come here. Yeah. And then when I get here, it's calm and it's quiet. So I sit down and look at what um, what I did yesterday. Yeah. Just to try and reevaluate it. Sometimes you get taken by surprise in a good way. Quite often you get by, taken by surprise in a bad way and you know what but you know what you need to do yeah. you've sort of been able to evaluate it somehow because you're looking at it afresh you're quite strict with yourself editing yes yes that doesn't surprise me at all because because <laughs> because it's what i say when i'm teaching you know almost won't do or that's almost right won't do it has to be it has to be right it has to be right i mean yeah. almost it's just not doesn't mean anything for me um Yes, so self-editing goes on. And then I do some drawing, like I said, and have a cup of coffee, which sort of wakes you up. Um, yeah. And I might read, so I've got a lot of books in here, Yeah, as you may have noticed. I yeah, there's have a whole a, library. I have this it. little sort of um, yeah. thing for art books. So um, I read quite a lot because mm. I have a thought about something and then I can look it up. Most of them are reference books. So you're sort of thinking about something and I, ah, yes, and then you can go and look it yeah. up and... So that's nice. And then I just paint. So I have one side of the studio is um, morning paintings mm -hmm. and I've got some sheets on the window, old sheets, yeah. bulldog clip to the window because it's south facing. So sometimes the light's a bit bright. Too, yeah, in summer. too strong. So that's the morning side. And then um, the afternoon side is over here. Yeah. And when I can't paint anymore, I go home. Usually about half five, six. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so, so it's very much like a, an everyday. It's very much an everyday. Yeah. Yeah. It is just a way of being for me. Mm. And the paintings are quite slow. The way I paint is quite slow. Yeah. So how many how many hours or a day or a week would a painting... You know, well, you know, how long is a piece of string? It's one of those. Um, it's quite often a question we're asked in the gallery. Yeah. yeah. I do leave some of them and come back to them, but not very often. Mm. Because usually you can tell within a week yeah which way it's going so I jump on quite a lot sometimes they go better sometimes they don't go at all yeah I know I remember you showed me someone mm. I was here last yeah. you're like that didn't work no and exactly it, you know, to me it looks almost there but no like, no. <laughs> okay. no so and I think you can spend sometimes you can spend too long if, you, if you're sort of fiddling with something mm. you've stopped being clear about what you're saying you've overworked and as you've seen you? clarity logic and you know that's what you need yes in a painting, and if you're fiddling with it, that's not what you're doing. Yeah, you've lost, you've lost your that. Intention. You've lost that sort of intensity and and the impetus for the painting in the first place. Mm. So for you, it's got to have like a freshness. Yes, and it's not about what the painting looks like at the end. Yeah, it's about what you're trying to find out while you're doing it. Yeah. So you need the clarity of the vision and the logic and the order to put that into practice. Mm. For me, that's the way I work. Yeah. So if, if that gets lost, then trying to get it back, you can sometimes, but most of the time, if it's gone too far, it's really hard because it's already lost its clarity. Yeah, yeah. So then I bin them. <laughs> or burn them. Or burn them, yeah. Yes. 
Does Claire yeah. get upset when you burn them? She's well, I do it here now, so she doesn't. She doesn't see them. See them. <laughs> <laughs> she retrieved once that I threw out. So you now, ever since then, because I used to take them to the allotment to burn. Yeah. But now I just um, paint over them with something horrible and, and put them in the recycling. Okay. Or the bin. Or the bin. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Depending on when I'm going to the tip. <laughs> so. Yeah. so working kind of solo in the studio, that's quite. I mean, it's intense. It obviously really mm. suits you. It really suits your personality and everything. But I know you stay really connected to the wider art world. I try to. <laughs> I try to. I, I mean, I used to go to a lot of exhibitions before the pandemic. Um, and that sort of just stopped quite suddenly, which was strange. Um, but there are, you know, Instagram and places like that are very helpful when you're isolated being able to see other people's work, even if it's only on a very small screen and tiddly tiny bits. But it it is nice to sort of know what other people are doing. Yeah. It is quite interesting. And I have had discussions with other artists about palettes and things. You know, um, I was hoping to do some work this year in the Botanic Gardens and looking at landscape more. And I really like Patrick George's paintings. So um, I messaged Robert Jukes and various other people I know who worked with him mm-hmm. and said to him, what was his palette? Because I know it was notoriously quite small and got different answers from various people. But that was that was nice to be able to do. Yeah. And we've had I've had discussions with other people about priming canvases because I use a very, um, it's a renaissance recipe for priming canvases with egg and linseed oil and stuff, which I find, I really like it. Um, I don't like sort of proprietary primers and things. Yeah. And I don't think people are taught that anymore in art schools. Mm. So I have quite a lot of questions about what I prime my boards with or canvases with. Yeah. And that's nice. Um, Do you, you like know. experimenting with materials? Um, yeah, a bit. I mean, yes, a little. Not, I don't loads because I just want to get on with actually what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I did try experimenting with graphite and some solutions for drawing with. But actually the way I logically think and draw is not conducive to that sort of way of working mm-hmm. on the whole yeah. yeah i really quite like a pencil and a bit of charcoal yeah quite straightforward yes yeah i think that i think people can complicate oil painting can be too complicated and it's not it doesn't need to be mm. you just need paint and a brush yeah you know and something to paint on you really don't need lots of i don't know solvents and everything else and you know i think people are scared of it because it appears to be too complicated yeah and it isn't and it isn't but it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be yeah Mm. yeah what other painters do you admire um well coldstream i mean i did go to camberwell so um the teaching at camberwell was still when i was there was still very euston road based and Mm -hmm. from coldstream down and um for when i encountered that way of working it was like a big light bulb. I thought it was so logical. So I thought, oh, God, brilliant, fantastic. And I think I've worked that way ever since, really. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, I mean, I admire other artists like Prunella Clough who paint completely differently. Um, but I really do like Coldstream and, um, you know, Uglo, yeah. Patrick George, and then um, more recently, Mark Dunford, who was taught by... Euclid and Robert Jukes very much. Mm-hmm. I did do a course with Robert Jukes, which was great, and he was a very good teacher. But his paintings, his colour is just lovely. Yeah. yeah. It's quite challenging sometimes, but it's very astute. Mm. And um, the drawings 
yeah, no, I think I like his paintings a lot. Yeah, it's quite interesting to hear an artist of your experience. You still go on courses. Yeah, I did it. Um, ew, gosh, it was probably about, I can't remember, eight years ago now or something. Yeah. I felt that it's what you were saying, I suppose, about being um, on your own, working all the time. Do you, I don't know what you'd call it, professional development or something weird. But I, I, I just wanted, I was just interested. And I saw he was doing a course and I very much admired his work. And I thought, well, at least I'll get to talk to him for a week and I'll learn something. Yeah. And it was great. And I did. Yeah, for me, it was it was very good. It's like, it's almost like, I think, and this is one of the things I enjoy about working in the art world. It's like your, your education is like never done. No. And I suppose if we were, if we were living, if we lived closer to each other, we could go out for a day's painting together. Yeah. Which would do the same thing, you know, because yeah. then you'd, you'd, um, but we're both antisocial still life painters, so that's not really going to happen, <laughs> is it? Happen. You are so not antisocial. <laughs> <laughs> when Just... I'm painting, I might be. <laughs> <laughs> is there like one exhibition that you've been to, that in, uh, one artist's work or a survey exhibition that's like you remember as standing out as having a significant impact on your career? Well, I don't know if I had a significant impact on my career, but I do remember the Michelangelo drawings, 1975. Mm-hmm. Was that before you were born? I was one. Oh, you were one. Excellent. <laughs> okay, it's, it's a long time ago. <laughs> I, I was at school. Anyway, I, I do remember going to that, and, and that was just amazing. Because mm-hmm. I'd seen, I'd been to Florence, and I'd seen some of his sculptures and things there, and that drawing exhibition was very powerful for me. Yeah. It wasn't I wanted to draw like him, but I just couldn't stop looking at it. It was absolutely fantastic. But I don't know, it's just one of those moments. Yeah. And yeah. it was really dark. Ooh, you know when they put yeah. all the drawings out and you have you, and you, and it wasn't that busy. You could really spend hours and I did take a sketchbook to that and I did draw because oh. because I was on my own and it was fine and it didn't matter to anybody else what I was doing. So that was brilliant. Then um later on there was a Patrick George exhibition at Serpentine retrospective. Mm-hmm. That was brilliant because I hadn't really seen that much of his work before that. Um, earlier, Suzanne at the RA. Do you remember mm-hmm. that one? Oh, maybe that's too early for you as well. <laughs> God. Um, anyway, various ones. And there was an exhibition yeah. called Pursuit of the Real, mm-hmm. which included Freud and Coldstream and, you know, people like yeah. that, Kitai. And that was that was in Manchester, I think. And that was, that's yeah. Brilliant. I know. It's re- if you have the opportunity to go and look at real paintings, isn't it fantastic? It does change. Um, we'll we'll apologise for the car. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. Car go. park. Um, it actually, there's something we're so used to looking at and assessing images on the internet. And I, and I have this philosophy. The only reason that I can do it, that you can do it, is actually because we've got years of actually looking mm. at the real thing. And I remember when I was an art student and I was doing my internship one summer at the Ashmolean and you mentioned Michelangelo and I was doing some work. It sounds a really boring job, but I was checking accession numbers written on the mount boards of drawings and referencing them with the catalogue. But essentially I had the keys to the print room of the Ashmolean. Nice. And I had a wonderful afternoon looking at Michelangelo drawings. Just me and Michelangelo. Nice. It was gorgeous. Yeah. And it, and it does, it stays with you. It just, you know, you're looking at the hand of a master mm. sent from centuries ago and you can just sit and quietly study it and you just learn so much. You do. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, in, it's an incredible thing. And, and there's something about seeing the physicality, the physicality of the line. Mm. The way you can't 
well, you can a little bit because obviously resolution of images has got yeah. better, but it's just understanding the pressure that a pen yeah, or a absolutely. has gone onto the And paper. you know their hand. You know their hand went on that bit of paper. Yeah. I love that. And it's so exciting. Yeah. I spent quite a long time at the Historic looking at Mirandi because he's another hero. Mm. And um, it was very quiet there and there was nobody else up there. Yeah. And the paintings are quiet and it was just, it was yeah. magic. You can just be there with yeah. them. Yeah. And then I think you get to absorb the artist a, bit, a lot more. Mm. It's like sitting in your studio now. Mm. Kind of the whole thing is yeah. is, is you and you, you absorb a lot of that. And I really like drawing in front of paintings mm -hmm. because you really begin to understand them then. Yeah. Like the Poussins in the National Gallery. I mean, they're beautiful. And you can just stand there and just start drawing a little bit and you begin to notice something and then you notice something else. Yeah. And it's fabulous. Yeah, he was good with colour. He was brilliant. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the exhibition title, Drawing in Colour. Have you approached colour from a different perspective for this exhibition? Or would you think it's a closer examination of a key theme in your work? That's a very good question. Um, I think my exploration of colour has deepened. So the paintings are not it's not copying something. It's trying to find a value for something that says something about the object. And it does take into account my space between me and the object. Yeah. So if I'm looking at something quite often spherical, like an orange or mm -hmm. something. So the bit of orange that is my eyesight hits first, I want to find an equivalent for that. Yeah. That works. And it's never going to be probably never going to be as bright as you know the lightest bit of an orange so you put something down that you can make and then you relate to that with every other mark you put down to try and create or try and understand the form of that object yeah so i think what i what's happened with the color this time is that the color is the sort of division of the colour has become important. Mm -hmm. So like you were saying earlier about the zinging of one bit of colour next to another, yeah. that I've tried to not necessarily heighten. There are quite a lot of paintings with a very bright green in them oh, yeah. because... We're going to come on to that <laughs> You're going to come on to that one? Yeah. Okay, we'll come on to that one in a bit then. But they're not all... When I mean it's heightened colour, it doesn't all mean that it's brighter. Yeah, it's stronger. Yeah, it, yes. I, th I hope that the the connection with it is clearer yeah it's yeah. that clarity thing again that clarity thing mm. and because color you know we talk about color and we were looking at that book earlier and it's mm. such a broad subject and it's like it's like there's lots of science about color mm -hmm. you get really some artists yeah. get really into the science of color and then there's obviously the art the literature there's the romance around color when you're describing the red of a strawberry to someone who's never seen a strawberry mm. It's how you reference things, isn't it? Yes. You know, the, 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 the yeah. deepness of that red of that strawberry and the tiny little golden pips. If no one's ever seen one before, they're just going to, like, never seen that red before. Yeah. They're going to be clueless, aren't they? Mm. So it's really hard because colour's such an individual experience, isn't it? It is. And sometimes I can do the same object with a different colour palette behind it mm. because that changes the colour of the actual object itself. Yeah. It's the so it's the relationship. It's always the relationship between every part of the painting yeah. to make the whole. Did you set out for the exhibition to have like a united colour palette or is that something that's just happened? No, that just happens. That's because I get into a sort of a flow of something and one thing 
so it's like a little journey. Yeah. And one, one painting leads to another painting leads to another painting. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with that green. Yeah. So I call, I call it the Fortnum green. It is the Fortnum green. In my, in my eyes, in it's the Fortnum, eyes. Green, the Fortnum green. Because I know the bag. Yeah. Because it comes from a particular <laughs> shop. <laughs> Absolutely. What is it about that colour? I don't know. It's just fantastic. <laughs> the paper bag in particular mm-hmm. really reflects well. Yeah. So I don't know why that happens, but it just I just love it. So what we've got here in the studio, and um, I think we've got one, two, three. Oh yeah, there's probably quite a lot. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten paintings. I'm not obsessive or anything. It's not obsessive at all. It's, <laughs> it's just enthusiastic. It's completely normal. Yeah. So how do you see? So we've got a lovely little um, painting of a peony bud in a in a little vase, and then a painting of a pear. They're both sat on this green. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about those two different, those two different, okay. very different subjects, yeah, and how they how they relate to that to that green. They've also got different. So the the green is in the bottom half of both paintings, mm-hmm. but the top half of the pear is a a black, yeah, dark, much darker mm-hmm. color, and the top half of the peony is quite light. Yes, and I liked that contrast for a start. So the reason they're that way round is with the peony. I love that dark bud. Yeah. Before pin is open, I just love that. Yeah. So I really wanted that to stand out, and I first of all set it against the green, so the green was behind it, mm-hmm. and it it sort of just didn't work. It didn't exactly kill it, but it didn't work. Did the like the luster of the peony bud? Kind it of just the just contrast good. wasn't right. Yeah. So then I put it at the bottom, mm-hmm. which made everything reflect up towards the yeah. color of the peony. Mm-hmm. So it makes the purple of the peony stronger because it's reflecting. Your, the light is sort of reflecting upwards yeah. to mm-hmm. that. Whereas with the pear, it was definitely the pear that stood out against the darkness. Yeah. So the green became darker mm-hmm. in relation to the object because the pear was lighter. So it's that relativity thing again. Mm. Um, and I liked that. I liked the particular bit of that one I like is the reflection on the pear's bottom. Yeah. See, that's that green. It is that green. So it's I don't know if it's up, I don't it? know if it's because the paper's slightly shiny. It's a very old yeah. paper bag now as well. Because yeah. I got it. We went up to an RBA thing at the Mal Galleries and we were a bit early. So we popped into Fortnum Masons and I found some guava to paint. Mm-hmm. I did a painting years ago, guava on Fortnum's yeah. paper. So little green fruits on the green bag. And I just kept the bag. So it's now very creased and crumpled, but I love <laughs> it to bits and um it's very nice to paint. Yeah. Yeah. But it does that reflection thing, and I don't know why. It must be, would that be to do with the ink on the bag? Or... It's almost like you sculpted that pair out of the surface of the, Good. Of the board. Good. That was the, that's, that's what I mean about mixing the colours, and I do, I'm slightly obsessive about keeping, obsessive about keeping a clean palette. Yeah. So um, the colours, I hate, and I never mix the colours on the board. I'm also obsessive about that. So you always put one colour next to another. Yeah. So... If you are going over something that's underneath, I'd scrape it off first and then put the clean colour on. Ah, so there's not much underpainting? No. Oh, that's interesting. No, because otherwise, it, unless it's dried, yeah. I mean, if it's dried, that's fine. But um, I tend to work as it goes mm-hmm. and um, no, take off. Yeah. Take off mucky paint. Um, one other question, actually, and this is something Sarah Lacey asked me, who, who works at the gallery. Mm-hmm. And she's a, she, she draws an awful lot too, and she's a habitual sketchbook person to mm-hmm. keep the I do yeah yes um, and they've got bigger I used to keep a very small sketchbook because mm-hmm. it was easier to carry around yeah and then I just got a bigger rucksack and it's fine so it's not huge but it is about the same size as most of the paintings which <laughs> is ludicrous isn't it um no I like to have a sketchbook I always yeah. have a sketchbook and a pencil case with me and a Stanley knife because you never know because <laughs> you never know <laughs> no I just I just do and um, because you never know when you might want to draw 
Yeah. And um, yes, it's just part of being, actually. Yeah. Like we were at the allotment the other day and I thought, oh, I'd, I might do a painting from here. So I did draw that first mm. because it's a bigger, more complicated thing. And I thought, I'll just see if it would actually really physically work. Yeah. And it might. Yeah. don't know. You don't know, do you? No. But it's nice to have a pencil. I'm actually better with a pencil than drawing something than talking about it mm-hmm. on the whole. When I'm teaching, I very often use a pencil and draw something to explain something. I, it sort of seems more logical to me. So, um, as you will have gathered from our conversation, you have a considerable <laughs> career Thank you. And um, um, is there one piece of advice you would share for a, an artist uh, embarking on a career, young or old? Because, you know, there, is, there are no limits to beginning. No, there are absolutely no, there's no age range for anything. Um, all I would say is that you have to feel passionate about what you're doing and you have to actually do it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen by magic. You know, it is hard work and you do need to persevere with it. And you're protected while you're in art school yeah. because you're all doing you're all doing the same thing. I was really lucky because we had um, we had visiting artists who were actually real artists, in inverted commas, you know, who came for a day or came for an afternoon, you know, and they would talk to you. So then you got to understand what was what it was like not to be a student mm-hmm. you got to understand what they were doing on the outside because when you leave art school there is a big void somehow you don't have all those people around you to to help you to encourage you yeah somebody asked me actually in the gallery the other day why do so many um artists like not make it from art school yes yeah, a and huge I, percentage it's a huge percentage and i said well you think about a young person a young person coming out of any degree they're, they're setting up their life. They're not just setting up their career, they're mm. setting up their life, they're renting a flat, blah, blah, blah. But an artist also has to rent a studio. Well, yes, or, or you work home. at home. Or you work at home. You work at home. But, but you, you, you don't. You do need to have time to do the work. You need to have time to do the work, but you also need a bit of income yes. as well. And actually balancing that... It's quite hard. It's really hard. So I got jobs at either end of the day, which left the day free, so I worked... Um, post okay. office or early morning papers yeah. which means you got up and started at five but you finished at nine and then in the evening I'd work in a pub yeah so that you had the day free to paint, to paint. Yeah. but you do have to sort of think slightly like that and I, it's different now I did get picked up by a gallery quite early which was lucky nowadays lots of people do things on in social media yeah to get started and then hopefully somebody notices you and then you get picked up. Yeah. So, I mean, you know more than I do about whether people approach galleries or not. But I think there's loads of open, there's loads of open exhibitions, open competitions, which are really good to do mm. yeah, at the Mal Galleries. I mean, there's loads. They get lots of people through. They've got now got good websites and things, you know, so you can see what people have done. And you might win prizes. You might get yeah. some money, you know, to help you along a bit more. And you get a bit of recognition from other artists. Yeah, I love that peer group review that the art community still has. You know that you know you're encouraging each other to, with these open submission exhibitions. Mm, it's really know, important. Do, work does get noticed yeah. from those shows. Yeah, yeah, they are really, really important. And there are the young artist things, you know. Yeah. So that's it's great. Now, as such an experienced exhibitor, do you still get nervous before an exhibition? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. It's really nice being in the studio on your own doing all the work. And then suddenly it's all on a wall. A, it looks different because yeah. it's not my studio wall, so it always looks different. And B, it's like it's like sort of splatting your thoughts and your feelings across in the to the public. Yeah, It's just like, well, here you are. This is what I've been spent the last year and a half doing or something. 
And although you have had time to review them, by the time I've handed the list to you, yeah. I can't I can't really change it that much, possibly. possibly. <laughs> um, so I could. I could. Um, but it's, I don't know. Yes, it does make you feel quite vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, it's still quite exposing. Yes. Yeah. I think that's exposing, that's the word. Yeah. 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 But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. What would you hope visitors would take away about your work from this show? I would hope that they would think about stopping, think about just looking at things, thinking about being still. Mm-hmm. And if they had, if they did take a painting home, that it would do that for them, that it would provide a bit of stillness on a wall. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sarah, for having me at the studio. It's been a pleasure. And it's been wonderful spending time with you and recording the podcast. Um, Sarah wasn't keen at recording. The no, podcast. well, I just hope it makes sense <laughs> <laughs> somewhere along the line. <laughs> You can learn more about the exhibition on the gallery website, wisegal.com, and also images from all the works talked about in this episode and the exhibition will be on there too. Uh, Drawing in Colour is on at Sarah Wiseman Gallery, Oxford, from the 11th of September to the 2nd of October 2021. This episode has been sound edited by Bespoken Media. If you've enjoyed listening, I'd be so grateful if you would take a moment to rate us and leave a comment as it helps others discover the Wisegal podcast.